Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, my name is Adam Russell. I'm the pastor here. We're going to start a new series this morning in the Gospel of John. I was realizing the other day, as I was sort of prepping for this, in all the years that I've been here at the Vineyard, we have... I've never taught a series out of the Gospel of John, and I am so stoked, so stoked. Uh, so we're going to spend the next eight weeks in the Gospel of John, and so I would just suggest, like, if you have a Bible, open it over the next eight weeks, read anywhere in John. Start at the beginning, start at the end, start at the middle. I don't care. Read anything, right? Make it a part of your daily routine. If you don't have a Bible, uh, download an app, or we'll give you one. Uh, because this is going to be what we're up to for the next at least two months. And uh, the name of this series is Who He Says He Is. And the reason we're calling this series Who He Says He Is is because seven times in the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus gives some I am statements. You've probably heard some of them, right? Uh, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I'm the door to the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the true vine. These are some of the things that Jesus says. And here's what I think we're going to discover over the next eight weeks or so. We're going to discover that Jesus actually is who he says he is. He's all of these things to us. Now, you might be wondering, like, why are we just focusing on these seven I am statements? Well, here's why. Because if I taught this series verse by verse we'd be in the Gospel of John for the next 187 years. Which wouldn't be bad, but we have other things to do this year as well. And maybe one of these years, we'll just take six months and we'll just hang out in one Gospel. Maybe, but not this time. So just to give ourselves a little bit of uh, narrowing, a little bit of parameters, we're going to just hang out in the seven I am statements of John. But here's what I want to talk about first. I want to talk about documentaries. I love documentaries. You guys love documentaries? I like them, I like them better than normal movies. I've just realized, I, I, just, I would rather watch a doc rather than even just some rom-com with the wife. You know, I would just, wa- I, I'll watch any documentary. I love all documentaries. I like documentaries about eating too much McDonald's. Uh, I, like, I like documentaries about how the world could explode from nukes. Uh, I like documentaries about artists. Um, a few months ago, I watched the new documentary on Andy Warhol. He's even weirder than I thought. Love him more, you know? Uh, y'all remember the Banksy, the Banksy documentary? Funniest documentary ever. I love the, the closing scene. It's Banksy. He says, when I started all of this, I used to encourage everyone to be an artist. He says, I no longer do that. I just thought that was so great. I, you have to kind of watch it to, to feel the weight of those words. But I, I just, I love documentaries. But the documentaries I love the most are the ones about Bob Dylan. I like all, I like all documentaries, but uh, the documentaries I love the most are the ones about Bob Dylan. And here's what's really weird about Bob Dylan in particular. There are so many Bob Dylan films. This is what's really wild. Uh, But it kind of makes sense because 
Dylan's an American icon. And do you guys realize he's been making music for over like 70 years? He's got, he's got a career that spans like seven decades. He's been making music in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, teens, and now in the 20s. Like we're talking about seven decades of material. And he's a very enigmatic dude. Like even if he answers your question, he never answers your question. Uh, half the time he doesn't show up to interviews. Sometimes he sends a bodyguard to his interviews. Like he's just a really weird character. He's got a ton of material. And because of this, there's like a story there that's waiting to be told and directors cannot get enough of it, right? And probably my favorite Bob documentary is, is No Direction Home. Uh, I wanna say that was like 2005, it's Scorsese. But here's what's really interesting about No Direction Home. No Direction Home, all of the film that Scorsese used in making this documentary about, about Bob Dylan was actually from another documentary called Don't Look Back from 1967. So there's this sense in which the Scorsese documentary is a doc inside of a doc, right? Like he took the source material from someone else's film and made his own film. People just love making documentaries about Bob Dylan. You might be thinking, well, what does that have to do with what we're doing now? Well, I, I wanted to start there because that's what the Gospels are. They're, they're ancient documentaries, you know? Uh, they're, they're ancient documentaries, and whoever it is that Jesus was, he, he's so interesting, and there's something so compelling about Jesus that people have to keep telling the story. It, was, it wasn't enough for Mark to write his gospel. Luke was like, you know, I kind of need to write my gospel, and Matthew needed to write his gospel, and, and John also needed to write his gospel. They're all exploring this Jewish traveling prophet and they were believing that maybe he was something more. You know, Jesus was a life that needed further exploration. And uh, in the list, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in case you're new to the Bible, John is not just the last gospel in, in the Bible, but he's also the last gospel uh, that was written. Chronologically, uh, he's last. Uh, the gospel of John was probably written sometime between uh, year 90 and 110. We don't really know. The, the scholars argue about it. Was it 90 or was it 110 or was it 100? Like, we don't know. But part of, what we, part of what we know is that John was late and he wasn't just a little bit late. He was very late. Like Mark was probably early 60s, right? And there's a chance that John was written, let's say, let's say in year 100 or, or 110, maybe 50 years after Mark. Imagine that. And you might be thinking, well, why does, that, why does that matter? Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. But, but because he was written late and because John also had his own perspective, uh, John just feels different than the other gospels. If you've read the Bible at all, you'll know this right away. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they feel similar. There's a word for it. It's called synoptics. They're very similar. They tell a lot of the same stories. They have roughly the same chronology. John doesn't play by any of those rules. He does his own thing. Uh, Matthew and Luke, uh, they both have extended birth accounts. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they feel similar. John's really different. He's telling a different story. Uh, the chronology in John uh, is flipped in spots. Uh, Y'all remember that spot where Jesus comes and cleanses the temple and flips the tables over and drives the money changers out? In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, comes at the end of the Gospels. In John, where's it at? Right up front, right up front. 
He's not playing the same game. It's early in John. Not only that, but John has stories that are not in any of the other gospels. Uh, some of my favorite stories, in fact, like new wine in Cana. You know that part where Jesus takes the wine uh, and he takes a little bit of water and he turns it into a whole lot of wine? That's only in John. It's not in the other gospels. And, and there's this story in John chapter three, um, Nick at night. Yeah, right? Uh, about this, about this uh, Jewish leader who wants to talk to Jesus, but he, he wants to do it at night. It's, it's not in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's, it's only in John. And so part of what we're seeing is that John doesn't feel compelled to tell the story by other people's rules. Uh, not only that, but one of the things you find in Mark is that he just loves the number seven. There's all these sevens in John. In fact, I've already hinted at one, right? There's the seven I am statements, but there's also seven signs in John, seven miracles. It's, it's John's way of saying, like, whoever this Jesus guy is, he's tying this number seven around him to say, oh, this is, this is perfection. This is, this is completion. This needs nothing added to it. Like Jesus's ministry in terms of his actions, his signs, it's perfect and complete. Jesus's self-understanding and his teaching in terms of who he understood himself to be, the I am statements, it's perfect. It's complete. The substance of John is different. It makes sense because he had another 20, 30, maybe 40 years to think and reflect on who, on who Jesus was. So for John, there's never a moment of ambiguity. Uh, right from the start in the Gospel of John, Jesus is God. It's in the opening prologue where he says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Uh, there's no, no birth account in John, uh, no wise men, no shepherds, no mangers. Instead, it's an opening that's supposed to make us think about Genesis. It's supposed to remind us of those opening lines in Genesis where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And how did God create in the beginning? He did it by speaking. And what did he speak? He, well, he spoke words. And so the words, the words created worlds. And now we see that the word which was spoken was a person who's in our midst. That's John's opening. The word that was spoken so many millennia ago is a person who is in our midst. Andrew read John chapter 1, 10 through 14 this morning. It says this, He came into the world He created, but the world didn't recognize Him. He came to His own people, and even they rejected Him. But all who believed in Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. So the question in this series, these next seven weeks after this is this, will we recognize Jesus? John's opening says that Jesus came and some did not recognize him. So the question for us as a church is, will we recognize Jesus? Uh, will we receive him as he comes to us? And will we take him at his word? That's why we're going to look at the I am statements in John. Um, every one of the I am statements in John, they're stunning. And we're going to find that in the next few weeks, I think. They're stunning things that Jesus says about himself. 
Uh, and it's as though the camera is pointed right on Jesus. He looks into the lens and he tells everybody exactly who he is. Bread of life, light of the world, door for the sheep, good shepherd, resurrection, way, truth, and life, and true vine. Uh, but here's what I want to settle in on this morning. I want to settle in on this. Every single time we hear Jesus say, I am, our ears should perk up. Like, like if you have any contact with the Bible at all, as soon as Jesus says, I am, our ears should perk up a little bit. Every single time Jesus says those words, we should pay close attention. Uh, it's very explicit in John chapter 8, verse 58. If we could put that up, that'd be great. This is not one of his I am statements that we're going to look, but this is another I am statement. There's three other ones. Uh, there's a total of 10, seven that go together, and then three that sort of like live in this little world. But in John chapter 8, uh, a controversy had kind of broken out, uh, and Jesus is kind of going back and forth with the crowd, and he tells them at the end of this, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, uh, before Abraham was even born, I am. By the way, isn't that a weird sentence structure? Yeah, if you were, if you were going to write this in decent English, you would write, before Abraham was born, what? I was, right? But he is, he is pulling out this phrase, I am, and he's putting it in about himself because he's, he's playing on a theme that goes deep into the Bible. I am. When Jesus says, I am in John, it's pointing back to a very particular moment. And that, that moment comes in Exodus chapter 3. Uh, maybe you remember when Moses was at the burning bush. I want to read you several verses this morning. This is Exodus chapter 3. We're going to read uh, several verses. And I just want you to hear this because this is the stuff that Jesus is pulling, pulling up on this morning. Uh, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, coming to take a closer look at what? Uh, the burning bush that isn't consumed. God, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, uh, look at this. Here what? Here I am. Here I am, Moses replied. Don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When, I love this. This is your sign. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship 
You will worship God at this very mountain. But, God, but Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, well, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am sent me to you. Big moment. These are the things that our ears should be picking up on in the words of Jesus. Each of these moments and each I am statement, we're being pointed back to the future where Moses meets God, whose name is I am. And you might be thinking, well, what's the deal? Uh, there's, there's four things I want to say about this this morning, and then, and then we'll, we'll do some other stuff. First thing, number one, uh, the story continues. Uh, the story of Jesus is not just the story of a man who appeared out of nowhere. Uh, instead, it's the story of God. It's the story of God with Abraham, uh, with Israel. It's the story of God with his people. And, and when Jesus is showing up and saying things like, I am the bread of life and I am the good shepherd. And when he is saying, I am the light of the world, he's hearkening back to this other thing. And what he is saying is, that the story that started so many years ago, it's not over. In fact, all the things you've been hoping for have come today to you in person. Everything that lay dormant is in fact becoming green again. Uh, some, people, some people in the day of Jesus had lost hope. Uh, they were gripping onto a nationalistic military vision. In fact, people today in America hold tight to a nationalistic military vision. And uh, here's, what, here's what you need to know. Uh, that'll leave you hopeless. Uh, they wondered in Jesus's day if God had forgotten them. Uh, they wondered if all the promises that the prophets had given had been cast aside. And in Jesus, in Jesus, the good news is the story's not dead. In fact, it continues. And, and today there may be people in this room and you might feel like, you might feel like there, are, there are parts of your life that are lost to God. Uh, you might even be someone who once was really near to God, but now you feel very distant to God. Or there may be things in your, your life that feel hopeless. Uh, there may be things that feel dormant or cold. And the good news to you is that the God who did not forget Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Israel will not forget you either. And the very, the very Jesus who says, I am the bread of life wants to sustain you today. The story continues. Uh, the burning bush uh, it, it's brought forward. Uh, number two, number two, and this is my favorite. Uh, Jesus's I am statements mean something like this. Uh, the I am who sends Moses in Exodus is the I am who has arrived in Jesus. If, if you'll notice in Exodus, it's I am who sends, but in the gospels, it's, it's, it's the I am who has arrived. And uh, Jesus is the I am who has arrived. The one who sent has finally arrived. This means, this means something like this. Another exodus is at hand. That's what it means. It means something like this. A deliverance is here. Uh, from Rome, yeah, but actually something much deeper than that. From the evil one, from sin. Uh, not only that, it means something like this, that judgment on all the propped up pharaohs is about to be executed. And let me, just, let me just read this to you because I want to get it right. 
An exodus from emptiness and appetites that lead nowhere, delivered by Jesus, who is the bread of life. An exodus from darkness and stupor, delivered by Jesus, the light of the world. An exodus from exclusion and abandonment, delivered by Jesus, who is the door to the sheep. An exodus from a life of loss and destruction, delivered by Jesus, the good shepherd who watches over every single lamb. An exodus from death and decay, delivered by Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. An exodus from esoteric religion and dissipation, delivered by Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. I just want to stop here just for a moment. Uh, religion, dead religion and dissipation is alive. And in our culture, it is, it is the false gospel of self-actualization. Uh, or, or it is the hopelessness that nothing will ever make sense and nihilism. And Jesus stands at both the false gospel of self-actualization, just do more inner work, and the false gospel of nothing will ever make sense, you can't know anything, and nihilism. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And an exodus from isolation, disconnection, and separation uh, delivered by Jesus, who is the true vine. Uh, The third thing that, that this means when Jesus says, I am, it means that Jesus is God. This is, this is John's explicit way of saying Jesus is God. He's not a prophet. He's not a teacher. He's not a dream. Instead, it's God has come near. It's the Old Testament God in person. And because it's the Old Testament God in person, uh, number four, Jesus forever answers the question, what is God like? Uh, Here's the good news for everybody in the room this morning. Uh, We do not have to wonder anymore, what is God like? We do not have to wonder anymore. We don't have to search and dig. We can simply look to Jesus and know exactly what God is like. Hebrews chapter one, verse three says this, the sun radiates God's glory and expresses the very character of God. Just underline that. He's the radiance of God's glory. Jesus is God come near. Jesus is what God is like. Jesus is God in the flesh. God God in substance, bread and body. And not only is Jesus what is God like, but because Jesus is God God in substance, God in bread and God in body, uh, this also means means that that spirit and flesh are not opposed to God. To one another. And in fact, matter has become a home for spirit. Uh, it means that the earth is not bad. It means your body is not bad. It, it means that creation is not less than heaven. It, it means that heaven is not the good thing and earth is the bad thing. All of those false dichotomies get exploded in the incarnation and in the substance of God. Like It means we can know what God is like, but it also means it means that your life is important. It means that you're, that you're deeply loved by God and that the world that God has placed you in is good and is meant for you. Uh, it, it, means that, 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 it means that we can know who Jesus is. And I just want to say a few things about Jesus this morning. Uh, Jesus is the God who feeds and nourishes. Um, he's the bread of life. Jesus is the door of welcome. 
Uh, he is the door to the sheep. I, I mean, this is, this is what it means. It means you can have access to God. You've not actually been separated. Uh, all of your deepest longings, uh, you'll, find, you'll find an opening in Jesus for him and you'll find a welcome in Jesus uh, for you. Like no matter what you're into this morning and no matter how, how broken you are, uh, some people in the room this morning are probably struggling with addiction. Uh, there's several hundred people here. I'll guarantee you there's people trapped in addiction in this room this morning. Uh, here's the good news. Uh, your addicted self can walk through the open door into the sheep pen of the good shepherd this morning. Jesus will welcome you. Jesus will welcome you. And you, you may be like upside down, like your life maybe went really great for 30 years and then just went to hell in a handbasket in, in, in a sum total of like two and a half years. Good news. Jesus will welcome you just as you are. He's the open door. Uh, he forgives sinners. Jesus forgives sinners. And what we see in the Gospel of John in John chapter 8 is he even forgives adulterers. Uh, people who are caught in the very act of adultery. Like, what is God like? Well, God is, God is like, like this. He's the sort of person who would forgive sinners, uh, even adulterers, you know? And he would welcome them into his presence. Uh, he's the shepherd of the flock. He makes us lie down in green pastures. What is God like? God's the sort of person who, who would like to lead you, who would like to lead you into blessing and fulfillment and, and, to, and to rest, you know, like some of us in the room are looking for rest. I, I want to tell you, it'll only be found in Jesus. Uh, and Jesus is what God is like. And, and he's a good shepherd. And he wants to cause you to lie down in green pastures uh, and in places where the, the water flows and it never goes dry. Like some of us this morning are like, man, I'm really hungry. And it feels like I'm really thirsty. And I just want to say to you, uh, Jesus is the answer for you here this morning. And I, I want to say on this little riff about Jesus being the shepherd of the flock who makes us lie down in green pastures, I want to say this. What David saw in part, we can see in fullness. J David only knew in part. We can see in fullness because we see Jesus. Um, what is God like? He, he's resurrection. God is someone who raises up the dead and dying. Uh, God receives the worst and overcomes it. Uh, some of us here, maybe, maybe a good portion of your life is just like, dead, dying, and decay. Uh, good news, Jesus will receive it and overcome it. Jesus is what God is like, and God is the way. Uh, our culture says that self-fulfillment is the way. Uh, Self-actualization, or to live into your own truth. Like, live into your own truth. I, I want to tell you, if you live into your own truth, uh, it's going to hurt. It's going to really, really hurt. But Jesus does what the Father does. In fact, what we see in John chapter 5 is Jesus only does what the Father does. Jesus only does. Like the way to life is to do what the Father is doing and only what the Father is doing. Uh, if we live solely into our, our truth, uh, it'll be a way of dissipation. But if we live into the way of Jesus, which is doing what he sees the Father doing, we'll find we'll find life abundantly. We don't have to wonder what God is like. And we don't have to wonder how to live life. It's fully presented in Jesus. So in this series, uh, we're going to have the chance to see that Jesus is who he says he is.
He's bread uh, and he's light. He's door and he's shepherd. He's, he's, uh, he's the way, the truth, the life. He's resurrection and he's the true vine. We're gonna, we're gonna get a chance to see Jesus as being exactly who he is. So if you wanna do a little homework this week, you can read anywhere you want in John, but next week we're gonna start with bread of life. So you can just turn to John chapter six. I recommend you read the first five, but if you wanna settle in somewhere next week, settle in on John chapter six because we're gonna, we're gonna do a deep dive on Jesus, the bread of life, who wants to satisfy you. He wants to satisfy you. Hey, if you're in the band this morning, why don't you come on up? Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.